Okay. So, I wanted to elaborate a little more on that, you know. I talked about, you know, the fulfillment in my soul. Like, I've been talking about this, but like, you know, Satan, in this season, I see that he wants to keep a smile off my face. He wants to steal my joy. And he wants to keep me not focused on the positive, but the negative. He tends to try and keep my attention drawn away from all the progress that has been made, how much I've been transformed and everything that God is doing. And the peace, the love, the fulfillment that's inside of my soul and in my heart that, you know, can't be taken back, that is always felt no matter what day I'm having, no matter what I'm going through. And, you know, I find myself complaining a lot, crying so much like a lot of a lot of times my visions or just throughout the day even my enemy even these enemies I guess I don't have enemies but even you know the enemy is saying to me you're a cry baby all you do is cry and I noticed that God months ago he he stopped me from crying he said you're not gonna cry anymore Except if it is for how grateful and how happy you are for all of this, for me to have shown my power in your life. So when I'm crying now, a lot of times it's like I'm crying because I'm like, God, you are so good. God, you are so great. God, you are so amazing. You are everything. I love you. I can't. I love that you have shown your power in my life. I love you. Like, God, I need you. Thank you, God. Like, and he's reminding me daily, like, you don't thank me enough. A lot of times you are complaining. A lot of times you are crying. You're not being grateful. Like, you are not thanking me enough. You need to thank me for everything I'm doing in your life. A lot of times you're like, why, God? And you're complaining like it hurts. Please make it stop. But you don't stop to say thank you, God, for everything you're doing. Thank you. And it's like you you think it's crazy because you're like, you know, I'm supposed to thank you for the suffering. Thank you for this pain. Thank you for the hurt. Thank you for the torture, God. It's like, absolutely. Absolutely. Because... It sounds crazy when you say it like that. Why? Because the perspective is bad. When you start thanking him, you can't say, thank you, God, that this day is horrible. No, you don't say it like that. You say you change your perspective because you can't thank anybody like that. When you when you have sense in your mind, you know, you're thanking somebody for something that you're actually thankful for. So thank you, God, for everything you're showing me. Thank you for what I'm learning. Thank you for another day. Thank you that I know that you are present in my life with everything that's being revealed. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your, you know, thank you for your attention to detail. Thank you for your, you know, just thank you for choosing me. Thank you for seeing me. I I, I swear every time I'm crying a river, I'm just like, thank you, God, for seeing me. Like, because you saw me when I felt invisible because you saw me 
And you led me when I was blind. You guided me. You're guiding me when I feel blind and left behind. Thank you, God. Thank you. And I don't think I'm enough still. Because just like I talked about in a previous episode, excuse me, when God had to come to God had to come to me. And I came to God, I said, God, you know, I've been asking, he said, He God came to me and said, Start asking for forgiveness. All the time, every day, every time you feel like something wrong, just in anywhere you at, just stop what you're doing. You don't even matter of fact, you don't even have to stop what you're doing. Just say, Lord, please forgive me. For any and everything you know that you're doing wrong. And even when you don't know what you're doing wrong. Thank you, Lord, for what you know you're doing wrong. Admit that. Acknowledge that. And then what you don't know that you are doing wrong. You know, say thank you, Lord, for that. For, please, no, excuse me. Please forgive me, Lord, for what I, I do not know that I am doing wrong. The sin I do not know that I am committing. So I started practicing it. Over time, you know, more and more, I would just start saying, please forgive me, God, all day. Just all day, nonstop. And then finally, God said to me, you know, well, finally, I said to God, God, I know I should be forgiven for the rest of my life now. As much as I've said it, as much as I've been saying it, he was like, absolutely not. Not even close. You have so much more, you know repentance for what you've done in your life thus far and at this point I feel like I said it like over a million times probably hadn't but it felt like it I'm saying it all day every day for really at that point just a week but it just felt like forever all day every day and all I know is you know that made me realize like wow we really have no clue. We really have no idea, you know, just how much forgiveness we really need and is really required from us by God. So it is best to be forgiving people out here because when you realize how much forgiveness you need, you will have needed to have forgave any, everybody for everything that they possibly could have done to you and have done you like I'm gonna need that for me like it's not even for them it's for you but let it be for them too because you have to have the right intent you so self if you're super selfish you're gonna need forgiveness for that too but just forgiveness is not usually for the individual that did it so don't only forgive them when they seek forgiveness forgive them when they don't even seek it when they gonna do it again when they're still doing it when it's hard to forgive them because you're going to need that type of, you know, consideration when it comes to you and your sins. I see it. I see it every day. But that's what it feel like God is bringing me into the season of gratitude. And now the way that I was asking for forgiveness every single day and, and it never being enough. And you know, even if I said it like that in a manner I was saying it all day, every day for the rest of my life, it still wouldn't be enough. You know, that's how much he wants me to be thanking him now. He's doing that again, but differently. Like now I want you to thank me like that. I need you to be thanking me all day. I need you to practice 
being thankful and grateful, showing gratitude, you know, it's a season of humility and gratitude. I see it because I'm going through so much. It's so hard to be thankful every day. So hard to be grateful and very, very hard to humble myself enough to be grateful because I feel like I should be thankful for this or I should be grateful for this or I should be humble. I'm the one going through everything. And that's the attitude you do not want to have with God. You cannot have the attitude, you know. It just doesn't move him. It doesn't move God. I see that Jesus a lot of times interceding on my behalf because God is so angry with me. He's like, I don't care what you feel like you're going through. Like, humble yourself. You know, show some gratitude. You know, be obedient. Do what I said. And Jesus is interceding like, God, you know, Father, just like, please, like, just try and understand, you know. And I can hear it sometimes. I hear him sometimes saying that to God. But, you know, a lot of times I'm just so blinded by my, I guess, anger and complaining and ungratefulness that I can't even, you know, see that God is mad. And his anger is unmatched. You know, I'm drinking from the cup of God's wrath right now. And I didn't, I heard that a while, a week ago, a couple weeks ago. And I didn't want to like, you know, admit to myself like that's what was happening. But God was like, yeah, you. And I felt it and I heard it. And I was like, well, not heard it like audibly, but I just heard it in my heart. Like, yeah, you. You drink it from God's cup right now. And I was like, it was said about Jesus drinking from God's cup, you know, the cup that he asked be, that be taken from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Bethsemane. I hope I'm saying that right. But the cup that he asked be removed from him, that was the cup of God's wrath on this world for each and every single last one of our sins that has ever been committed up until that day and has and has that would ever be committed for the rest of eternity. And or until Jesus comes back. And I realize I'm drinking from God's cup right now, his cup of wrath. And he pointed out to me a few times. Sometimes I'm just not in a place in my heart and in my mind to, you know, truly humble myself enough to accept what he's saying. But I said this already. I'm learning and I'm growing. I said that I feel like I'll finally one day get past this, look back and see that I was wrong the whole time. When I felt like God wasn't seeing me or didn't understand. He understood. He knew. I didn't understand. This is why a lot of times we're like, God can't be right. He has to be wrong about this. He has to be wrong about me. He has to be wrong. And he's not wrong. We're wrong. He's never wrong. He's perfect. He's always right. So 
I realize that he's always right. And a lot of times I'm like, I just, I'm so perplexed. I'm like, if God is always right, why do I feel like he's so wrong about this? You know, because you're wrong. But it's like, but I don't feel wrong. And it's the, the answer is so simple. You're wrong. You're wrong. He can never be wrong. So who's wrong? You. And then you might say, well, I don't think I'm wrong, though. I may not be wrong or I can't be wrong. But still, it doesn't, you know, I know that God isn't wrong. So maybe you're saying, maybe I'm really not wrong. You are wrong. You're still wrong. You're wrong somewhere. You're wrong because you misunderstand something. You're wrong because, you know, maybe you don't, you you don't, you just can't see the bigger picture like God can. You don't see what he sees. You don't know what he knows. You know, you're just wrong. And the reason why you're wrong is because God is always wrong. So when you're not on the same page as him, period, you're wrong. That's just what it is. And a lot of people just can't accept that. And I, I have to admit that I can accept that too. And God had been pointing it out in my, in the Bible as I read it a few times. It was like drinking from the, ra- you know, drink. I was reading Revelation. And it was about the whore of Babylon. And he was like, and she will drink from God's cup of wrath. And, or he will pour his, his, he will pour his cup of wrath on her. And when he, he kept pointing that out to me and the whole scripture about the whore of Babylon, I was like, no way God is calling me a whore. No way. But he is because, and it sound bad, it sound bad, but it's like, First of all, Jesus was celibate. God has never had a wife. Well, Israel is his wife. And he called Israel a prostitute for worshiping false gods. So, and, and promiscuous, which means whore. But I, would necess- I wouldn't necessarily be a whore because of my faith. I was called a virgin because of my faith. But... I would be a whore because of my sexual partners. I'm not a virgin in the flesh, and I'm not married. So I've committed fornication, and one time is too many. I feel like it's it's bad because it feels like it's a double standard for women. But one time of fornicating, one time you're a whore. You're a prostitute. Period. You know? And... Anything past that, then that's what it is. Some people say two or more. Some people don't agree with that at all, whatever. But that's what I feel like God is showing me. Like, if you had sex within your marriage, fine. Fine. Like, that's, you're good, you know? But outside of marriage, if you ever fornicate, you a whore. Even if you only had sex one time, like, how could I ever be a whore? I only had sex one time, but you had sex outside of marriage, you fornicated. You're a whore. And a lot of people might say, nah, that's your own opinion. I don't agree with that. I don't feel like that's true. And that's just our messed up reprobate minds that we have here in this world. I I feel like I, I almost can guarantee you that's how God sees it. Almost can guarantee you that. He understands. He loves you. He loves you. He understands. But that's what it is. And I don't want to inflict everything on me 
off on everybody else. Because the thing is, like, I'm not a whore. You know, I'm really not a whore. I know who I am. I know, you know, I know what I've done. I mean, maybe, of course, other people might see it a different way or people might have their opinions. But I know the kind of person, the kind of girl or woman I am. You know, I'm, I'm going to become a woman. But I know who I am. I know, you know, that I'm really not that for real. But it's like I am still. Because when you see it from a biblical perspective, I'm just already out of pocket in so many different ways. You know, yes, I have a story. You know, I'm not. Everybody has a story. That's what it is. Everybody has a story. So I'm, I'm, God is not judging me in that way. But he is the only one who can judge. And if he says that that's what it is, that's what it is. And when he kept saying horror Babylon, I was like, he's not talking to me. Excuse me. I was like, he's not talking to me. Who is he talking about? I was like, he keeps pointing it out. And I know he's pointing it out to me. But who is he talking about? And he was like, you. God straight up said, I'm talking to you. And I just couldn't believe that God was calling me that. And I'm I, like I said, I'm not pushing this off on other women. Everybody's different. There's women out here who, you know, have only had sex inside of their marriage. And there's women out here who've never had sex at all. There's women out here who just don't feel like they're a whore regardless of what, whether they had sex outside their marriage or not. That's fine. But God has shown me the attitudes that we have as women is one of the biggest, like, reasons that we're going to hell. And you know what? It's fine because I know that it's a lot of women who just, at this point, like, nope, not hearing it, not trying to hear it, nope, tuning out, that's it. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't agree with that. You know, even women, even godly women. But he, like, he said what he said. Like I said, I've been battling, dealing with what he said and what he's saying, but it's true. He loves me anyways. He chose me anyways. I'm still a vessel. I'm still being used as a vessel, but it is what it is. It's the truth, you know, and I thought that I had a count on how many men it actually was that I had dealt with, but God knows for sure who, how many men it is that I've dealt with. I felt like it was way worse, you know, from outside perspective than from me actually living these experiences. But like, you know, in reality, I know me. Like, I know me. And I remember battling the battle in 2020. Like, you know, it was such a big deal. It was such a big deal. Like, how many guys I've been with. It was such a big deal. And, you know, it was so talked about. And, like, everybody kept saying, like, you're this, you're that. And I was, like, bringing it to God, to Jesus. Like, Jesus, you know, they're saying I'm this, they're saying I'm that, you know. I know who I am. I know how I am. I know that I'm not this kind of person. I know I'm not that kind of person. And Jesus like, well, if you know, then know. He's like, if you know, then know, you know, it doesn't matter what they say if you know, but he's revealed to me that it like, this is what it is. It's true. It's not true with all they said, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I'm, you know, it's true. Like, like, it's just, 
I feel like I could have been way worse. It was so many women around me who are like, you know, have sex with them. So what? Who cares? This is a free world. You know, you're, you, you are not, you know, bound by these double standards that men live up to and all that stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I was still like, nah, I'm cool. And I would keep myself to myself for a lot of, a lot of different times. But it's like, still, you know, still to be called a whore, I'm like, I'm really not as bad as a lot of people around me. I know I'm not as good as a lot of people around me, but I'm really not as bad. And God is like, yeah, way worse than you think. Way worse than you think. And that's just past being a virgin at all before marriage, honestly. Like, we're really supposed to wait till marriage to lose our virginities. And and when you don't, like, it's just, look, it's just it's bad. It feels unfair because it don't feel like men are held to that standard. Men don't have to be virgins to be married. I mean, yes, the Bible says that, period, man or woman, you need to be a virgin to be married. But not really, you know, because you see the different stories in the Bible where the men have, you know, had sexual encounter encounters dealt with prostitutes and all kinds of different things in the Bible weren't held to the same standard as women. And, you know, God sees it that way. He agrees with that. And that's not, you know, to say that I want to say that that's fair. And I feel like this situ this whole conversation is so like, so, I don't know, like, fragile. This conversation is very fragile. Because God has shown me, you know, different individuals and different people who are just not really different women who are not representing women will and I thought like what's so bad what oh, but like do like what do you consider a horror you know and I wondered for a while I know my brothers have their perspectives but they would never want me to be with any man so you a whore if you ever be with one of them and you know well not necessarily but you know pretty much but, you know, guys, period, feel like they all have, like, this double standard on women. Like, women can be with a lot of men, more than one man, etc. period. But, you know, some men, some men aren't like that. Some guys aren't like that. But this is how God sees it. Like, God, he compared me to Mary. Mary was a prostitute. And I was like... You know, okay, so are you calling me a prostitute? God knows my life. He knows the mistakes that I've made. But, you know, I'm not a prostitute. And by no means am I a prostitute, you know. But, you know, that's what God compared me to. He was like, Mary was known by many men. Like, almost all the men knew Mary. But he loved her anyways, and he chose her. He lo- he loved he liked Mary, not just love Mary. Jesus loved everybody. He liked Mary, and he accepted her. He freed her of her demons, and he loved her 
for who she was. He didn't judge her. Jesus does not judge. He compared me to Mary, and I was just like, first I was offended. Like, why do I feel like you're making such a big deal out of my sexual past and my history? And I just don't feel like I'm that bad. I really don't feel like it's that bad. And it's like, I know it's not that good, but I really don't feel like it's that bad. And I just felt like judged differently because I'm a woman. And I don't want to get into making excuses. I don't want to get into, you know, making this one of those, you know, men versus women kind of like conversations. But it is a double standard. It feels like there's a double standard. But for me to say that it's a double standard with God, I, I still am perplexed on it. I have questions. I have questions. Why is it okay for a man to be with a prostitute, but if a woman goes off and bees with some and is with someone outside of her husband, all of a sudden in the Bible it says that her door is the it's the door to hell. But a man goes and bees with and is with a prostitute, and the only reason he's held accountable is because that prostitute has proof that, you know, it was him who was with her. You know. She held, she's holding him accountable with evidence of his belongings. And I am talking about, you know, I don't want to say it now because I forget the names. <laughs> I want to mess it up. But I'm talking about when she posed as a prostitute in order to get pregnant. And, yeah, so somebody would say was that she's not a prostitute, but he thought she was one. So... Why aren't men held to the same standards? Not even in the Bible. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. It's so much harder for me as a woman because I'm a woman. And it just does not seem fair. And I don't like to bring this up to God because I know his character. I know that God loves me. Excuse me. I know that God doesn't, you know, see me as he he does. He's perfect. God is perfect. He makes no mistakes. So to say that God is holding women to a different standard, you know, maybe he is. But I, you can't think of it as a mistake, though. It's not a mistake. And it's like you it burns up inside because it's one of the things for so long that I have battled with. Because I felt like, you know, it's not fair. And, you know, certain things in the Bible, I would just, I don't feel my, I would ever want to live like that. I don't feel like I would ever want to live my life in that way. And I just didn't ever agree with it. And even when I would be in God's presence, reading the Bible with him, I would get to these scriptures, these parts, and God would, me and God would be talking. He would be giving me a better understanding on it. And I would just be like, no, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I love you, God. I trust you. I seek the truth. I seek you. I want to be a better woman for you. I want to be the woman you want me to be. I want to grow. I want to be somebody. I want you to make me into somebody, but I don't agree with that. And what do you do when you love God? You believe his word. You believe every word that you read it and you love it. It fulfills you. It fills you up every day. But you get to that point to those words where it's like, I don't I don't know if I would ever agree with that. 
you know, I see some people have that opinion on certain words where God is saying to let people steal from you. Or sometimes people feel that way about letting people put their hands on you. Some people feel that way about, you know, paying taxes. Certain people feel that way about the slave scriptures, about obeying, you know, your master. And people have different reasons why they don't believe certain things in the Bible or they twist certain things. And even sometimes about sexuality and like, you know, whom you choose to be with, you know. But, you know, and certain people pick and choose what scriptures they want to skip over and don't want to live their life like. And yes, you are being judged according to that. Yes, you are. Some people say, God is so understanding. He loves me. He knows my heart anyways. He knows that I'm trying my best to be obedient and doing everything in my pos- in my in my power to do everything that I can to, you know, live the life that I, you know, that he wants me to live. But I'm, I'm just not doing that. And yes, you are going to be held accountable. You can't go to hell just for not doing that. You have to read. And live by the entire Bible. All of it. They are all his commands. And if you say you don't agree with something. You're saying that God is wrong. And you are again. Choosing your own path. Despite agreeing with everything else. You still chose yourself as a God. You put yourself over God. Because you said I know better than God. I. My logic. My perspective. What I agree with. Is more or better than God. He's wrong about this. Or I don't agree with this. So I'm not going to live by it. And you picking and choosing like that. It's idolatry. It's a breaking It's breaking commandments. You say how is that idolizing? You're idolizing yourself. You're, pac- you're placing yourself as a God. You might say well I'm okay with that. Well he's not. And it's going to be dealt with. And. I like I admit that this is hard this has been hard for me to grasp. But throughout this process I realized that he placed me in a position where I absolutely need him. I cannot do it without him. And we all gonna come in a point in our lives, no matter what we think we wanna do, or no matter how how much we got it, we think we got it, we're gonna all come into a point in our lives where we need him. We need him. And he's gonna get you out. And if he gets you out How could you ever go back to saying he's not a perfect, almighty, all-powerful God and that he's not always right and he doesn't know what he's doing? You can't go back after that. You can't. I know I can't. After what he's shown me, like for me to say, you know, yeah, everything else is cool, but that I just can't agree with. It's like, well, you know, you wasn't saying that when you needed me so bad to get you out of that. Maybe you should have considered what you don't agree with when you truly needed my help. And I don't even want to make it like that because that's my words. That's how I see it. God loves you anyways. God is like, you know, you probably were considering what you don't agree with when you needed me. And I still came and got you because I love you anyways. He's always going to love you anyways. He's always going to still have your back. He's always going to be there for you because he cannot deny himself and his love for you. But, yeah, like, after after what I've seen and after what he's brought me through, 
like when I look back on the scriptures I don't agree with and what I feel like I cannot, you know, like tailor my life to. I feel like, you know, I just have to change it. It don't matter how hard it is. It don't matter how, you know, how how much logic I think I have in the world. It don't matter how right I feel like I am. You know, it don't matter what I feel like is the right way to go and how stupid or dumb I may feel in going that way. It don't matter. It don't matter. He's right. He's right. I need him. After everything he's shown me, it's all for a reason. He doesn't do nothing for him. Everything that he does is for us to protect us. So a lot of times our perspective behind it is like, I don't agree with this because maybe God didn't see it this way. Or maybe he didn't see it that way. Or my situation is unique. Or, you know, I just feel like he's wrong. Or I just feel like that's wrong. Or, you know, whatever reason. And it's all to protect us. It's always to protect us. And Satan, he knows. He knows that this word, the Bible, is truth, it's living, and it's to protect us from the lies that he tells. And a lot of times when we are attached to anything outside of God's word, it is Satan. It's that we are attached to sin that won't let us go. It is not true. And when you're freed from it, you will understand. You will be like, okay. You know, I know I, I know I swear I could I would never be here on this side. I swear I would never understand this perspective. I swear I would never agree with that. But now I know. I know what's real because I'm living it. I've lived it. Like after seeing these demons that I'm fighting every day, after seeing, you know, the result of my sin in my body, in my life, in my family's lives, on our whole entire bloodline, after seeing the result of the sin that I've committed and all this other stuff and my perspectives on life, I'm like, it just all got to go. It all got to go. Unless, of course, I want to keep those demons I've met. Unless, of course, you know, I want to keep this, you know, these chains that I'm in. Unless, of course, I want to remain in the places, in a position that I've been placed in due to this sin because I disagree with something that God placed in order to protect me. It's like, as a child, you tell, you you know, when you're a child, your parent tells you, don't touch the stove because it's hot. And you think, you like, why I can't touch the stove? You always on the stove? Or it's right there? Or whatever reason you want to touch it, probably just because they said not to. Whatever. You touch that stove and you get burnt. And you realize, like, they really always said that to protect me. The stuff that they say, the the rules that are in place is always to protect us. God does that to protect us. And we suffer when we don't listen. And we blame him like, I didn't feel like that was right or I didn't agree with that. And it's like, well, now you know. Because look at the consequences. You're burned. You've been burned. And I'm dealing with this now. I have you know, a demon inside of my body, you know, I have different things being, have been placed inside of my body. I have demons attacking my mind. I have, I need to be healed. My soul needs to be healed. I'm in chains, you know, in a spiritual, in a spirit realm, I'm in chains. Like I'm a slave to sin 
And I I can't get out of these chains. I can't break these chains until I break the habit, until I break the, you know, cycle, until I break the addiction, until I break whatever it is. I have to completely come out of this world. I have to completely come out from underneath sin in order to break this, these chains. And... You think it's a joke or you think it's a game until these demons show up at your door. They show up in your room. They show up in your life. What you going to do, make friends with them? Some of us do. Some of us make friends with these demons. But even when they're your friend, even when they're your friend, you know what you got to do. You got to get rid of them because you're going to get, you're going to become exhausted with nurturing you know a parasite a leech it's draining blood sucking soul sucking it's draining like energy vampires that's what you'll be nurturing in your life and if you ever want to be free if you ever want to feel real peace if you ever want to really experience God's love on a level like never before, if you ever want the truth, if you ever want to come out of chains, if you ever want to stop crying, if you ever want to stop feeling pain, if you ever want to be free, you are going to let go of these demons. You are going to, you know, release them. You have to. You have to disconnect from them, break whatever relationship you have with them. You have to let them go. And so that means you have to come into agreement with God on any and everything that he said, not just what you pick and choose you feel is right. No, all of it. And you got to live it and you got to mean it and you got to go through whatever you got to go through to mean that and live that and stand by that forever. Forever. Not just till it's over. No, forever. Because if you do it till it's over, it's never going to be over. It's going to start back up. And even worse than before. The Bible says that once you clean house, you know, the demons go out looking for places. They find nothing but dry places. They come back with seven more demons. Worse than they are. That's why when you see people who maybe only had small addictions like alcohol or cigarettes or weed. And then, you know, feels like they's back on track. They, you know, maybe they found God. Then they go back, they backslide. Next thing you know, they have addictions to crack and heroin and all kinds of really heavy drugs. You see them so strung out, homeless on the street. You're like, what happened to you? That's those seven demons that, you know, the demon they released brought back. This is for real. And it says, the Bible says that it is worse for, it is better for you to have, you know, never shown up at God's door. Never picked up the Bible and start reading it. Then to start reading the Bible and to go back to how you were before, acting as if you you are not, you know, knowing. It's better to be ignorant than to know and to knowingly do wrong. You're going to be held way more accountable. And I know some, so many people are so outraged. How could you ever say that? How could you ever tell somebody to never show up to God? Don't go to God. Don't read the Bible. How could you ever tell somebody that? Because you're lying to them. You are lying. We need to wake up. We need to stop telling people this stuff because people are actually, you know, I I can never make an excuse for somebody saying this is why I don't go to church or this is why I don't read the Bible. This is why I don't believe God. 
I can never make an excuse for that because I don't agree with that. You should never have a reason why. But, you know, you're lying when you tell them that, you know, it's okay. He'll always forgive you. He will always forgive you. You're not lying about that. But you're telling him it's okay and it's going to be a slap on the wrist. They're not going to have to deal with the stuff, the consequences of their sin, that they're not going to have to face a wrathful God when they continuously run back to sin, knowing full well what they're supposed to be doing. You're you're lying. And I, I just know I see how detrimental that is, what I'm going through right now. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church how I should have but I always craved the Bible and the truth I've always craved God always my whole life I've like he's called me and I didn't have to be in church to feel his presence my mother always told me growing up you don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God and I didn't go to church even though I wanted to go I felt it was necessary but I would read the Bible I would pray and out of all these years that I would pray I will always remember hearing people like not at church but just in passing church people and you know all these people who seem like they're living their life the way they're supposed to because they always talk about God they only listen to gospel music they always got their Bibles these people I would you know I would hear these people always say, you know, it's okay. You God, you always have a home with God. God loves you. He'll always forgive you. It's okay to go back. It's okay that you, you know, you've come out of God. You know, you've done this, you've done that. You know, it's okay if you fall off. It's okay if you can't keep going. Just come back and all this other stuff. And they just lying. They just lying. You might say, I know somebody right now, like, what do you mean? That's not a lie. It is okay to come back to God. It is. It's not okay to stay away from him. It's not okay. It's not okay to play with God. It's not okay to walk away from him at all. You know, it's just not okay. And when you go back and you, you know, you're back in the church and you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So when you're sitting here not knowing which side you want to be on, and you in and you out, you in and you out, God don't want that. He wants you to pick a side. Either be on fire for the Lord or go be cold somewhere. Really be against him all the way away from him. Do not choose him. Be hot or cold. He do not like lukewarm individuals. He don't want you in and out. He don't want you on his side and off his side and on his side and off his side. Be on fire for him at all times or be cold at all times. God don't like that. Do you? You don't even like people playing with you like that. What if somebody had a $100 bill and they gave you the $100 bill, but they took it back and they gave you the $100 bill, but they took it back and they just keep playing with you? You're going to be like, keep your money. I don't want that money. Or give me the money and stop playing with me. But you don't want them to keep hanging it over your head like they about to hand it to you. One or the other, pick one. So, yes, we as Christians, we lie too much. We lie too much to people, telling people, you know, it's okay. 
you know, God always loves you. He always loves you. He does. Or God wants you, you know, to come back no matter what. It's okay if you fall off sometimes, you know, let go, let God. It's okay if you can't get up. It's okay if you walk away. It's not okay. It's never okay. None of that is ever okay, you know. And tell them the truth. Tell them who God really is. Unless, of course, you don't even know him. And that is usually the case. When you have people always preaching these false positivity messages. Everything is always so peachy keen and always so sunny. And Jesus is a white man with blue eyes. And, you know, heaven is full of beautiful gardens, which it is. But we all going. As long as we just, you know... Accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter what you do, God will always forgive you. It's okay. No, it's not okay. When you choose him, be serious about it. When you choose him, take it, take him serious. Accept him into your heart and truly want to change. Be ready to do the work and be ready to go through whatever for him because Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And each and every single last one of his disciples after him were tortured their entire lives. They lived a very hard life preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had to be willing to die for him. So what makes you think anything is going to be different for you? Over and over and over again in the Bible, it says that we are persecuted just like Christ. And he overcame the world so that we can. The world will hate you, hate you, just like they hated him. So you out here getting all this love and you think you're doing God's work? The Pharisees and the scribes was out here preaching and, you know, had so many people around them, you know, worshiping them. You know, and say, Jesus told them right to their face, your father is Satan. And what did they do? They studied the Bible all day. They, had, they knew the Bible front to back. They, you know, anointed their heads with oil. They stayed in the temple. They were always preaching. They were always praying. They were, you know, they wore the proper attire. They so-called lived their lives the proper way as far as appearance goes. Mentally, in their heart, and their intent behind what they were doing was of Satan. And Jesus told them right to their face, you do not know that I'm the son of God because you do not know my father. These people out here who are telling you this stuff is okay, they do not know God. They don't know him. That's why so many people are actually going to heaven. And this is why so many people are so afraid of really the real God. I mean, or maybe they're not. Because the issue is that we don't fear God enough. We need to know who he is. And it's sad because some people are going to hell thinking like, I'm always going to be forgiven. It's okay. And... You know, we're all going to heaven and, you know, I can only do so much and it's okay if I come out of the church or this and the third. I still have this relationship with God, I still love God and stuff. It is okay if you come out of your church, especially if you feel that your church is not teaching you or growing you in the manner that you feel necessary. But you can't take on a pause on your relationship with God. You don't get a pause with God. He don't want you taking breaks. There's no breaks from your relationship with him. You have to be on fire for him or be 100% cold. If you're not living by the words in that Bible, applying it daily and accepting it to your heart like you should, your father is Satan. And Satan loves this. And God told me this years ago. He said, you just don't know how far ahead you are with me. You know, you absolutely, you just don't understand where you really do, where you really do stand with me as opposed to other people. And I said, 
but God, I've, you know, I didn't grow up in a church. I'm not in church every Sunday. Actually, I could go, but I still don't go. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so filthy, full of sin. Like, I'm I'm dressed so wrong. I'm still smoking weed. I'm still drinking. I'm still out partying. I'm still wrong. I'm so wrong. And God was like, yes, but you have no idea what the people in church are like. They are pretenders. They go to church for other people. They don't even have a real relationship with me. They don't love me. They don't accept me into their heart like you accept me into your heart. You Every single day you're praying, you're reading your Bible, and you're trying. You're actually trying to grow in your relationship with me. They're not even trying. They read the Bible just for show. They read it for other people. They go to church for other people, not for me. The Bible says... Go to your prayer closet at home in private and pray to your father when it's just you and him and you will be rewarded in public. These people out here praying and doing all this praise dancing and all this, you know, exorcism, all this, you know, deliverances and all this other stuff. And they are just faking it. They are just they just doing it. They just want to look like they good people. And. They just don't know God. They don't know him. So, you know, I'm battling that. I'm dealing with that, you know. He sent me here on a mission. He said, revise the people. And I said, how could me, out of all the people he could have chosen out of this entire city, you know, so many churches in Houston. It's, it's, it's like crazy. Big churches, churches in Houston. And then even T.D. Jakes has, you know, Potter's House in Houston and Dallas. So... I was, you know, I was perplexed how he would need me. And it almost even seemed like, you know, nobody would ever believe that. But it didn't matter because my relationship wasn't about validation from this world. My relationship with God wasn't about what everybody else believed. It's what I believe and what I knew. So when I accepted my assignment, you know, even though I was maybe not even prepared or even all the way, you know, sure of myself, you know, I believe God, I trusted him, I accepted my mission, and I moved forward, I came here, I was placed, I've been placed in position, and now I'm here, and now I see that he's transforming my life, and so many other people's lives around me, you know, just, in the way that only God can. And they were ready for me. They were waiting for me. When I got here, they was like, it's you. They were waiting for me. They were ready for me. That's what it's like when God places something in position. When God says go, everything's in order. Jesus, when he, when he, was, when he came into the city of Jerusalem, when he walked into the city, when he was accepted into the city on the donkey that he sat on, the people, everything was ready. The the room that he was going to have his last supper in, the, the house, the people who are going to provide that, the donkey that was provided for him, everything was ready. Everything was in order already, even though that would be the first time he was walking into that city and he knew he was going to be crucified in that very city. And 
hope I didn't get it mixed up. It was Jerusalem. But something screaming in my mind, Galilee. So if I'm if I messed it up, my bad. But you know, that's Satan attacking my mind. But all I know is, you know, Jesus when he sets something up, when he's ready, he's ready. Everything's in order. You don't have to do anything but be there and be for him. Be ready to fight about him. That's all. Be on fire for the Lord. That's all you have to do when he chooses you, when he places you in position, because I came here with nothing. And, like, I feel like I still have nothing, but that's fine, because I also have everything. You know, and they took everything when I had nothing. How can they, how can I have nothing and they still take everything? Because everything that I had spiritually with God and the family that I thought I had, the plans that I thought I had, the ambitions that I thought I had, the friends that I thought I had, the support I thought I had was snatched up, up snatched from up underneath me, my whole world. But God replaced it with a new world, a, a transformed world that he is giving me and this one is cleansed being cleansed being prepared and you know excuse me still people around me don't understand that they're being used for this mission but i cannot blame them some days you know I almost slip it back into that mindset as well. Almost. I mean, they would want nothing more but for that to happen. But I had no idea what God was about to do. He was about to rock my world and show me everything behind the scenes. When he said, you don't have, you have no idea what it looks like versus what it actually is like. I know everything. And he was about to show me. And he has shown me. The many different faces of men, the different things that we're really dealing with, the demons in the spirit, who's really controlling these pastors and these so-called Christians and the people in their churches and, you know, the people preaching God's name and the people who are popular and all this other stuff and what's really going on. He's showing me, you know, I got a lot of people who don't like me. They don't like me. They hate me, actually, you know. They wish I would drop dead off this earth at any day right now. And I wonder, like, you know, is it supposed to be like that, God? The Bible says that it is. The world will hate you because it hated Jesus. And so the world will hate you. It's supposed to be like this. So now I get kind of uncomfortable when I'm getting a little too much love. When people are showing love now, I'm like, uh-oh, I got to get back to God because the world is supposed to hate you. If the world does not hate you, you are not doing the work, the work, the work of God. Your father is Satan because the Bible says he has power over this world. He offered Jesus the world. Jesus turned down the world so the world hated him. It crucified him. It killed him. And yes, he paid the price. For all, each and every single last one of us. But the world will hate you too if you are of him. If you follow him. The world hates me. 
And like I said, I don't want to. I don't even know if I wanted to love me no more. It hurts. I have to go through this every single day. I'm tortured, and I'm going through so much turmoil. And some days I feel like I can't go on. I really want to give up, but I can't. People would tell me every day, "Yes, you can. You don't have to be that strong. You don't have to keep going on. You don't have to do all of this. Let go. Let God." And it's like, it's that very mindset and that that thinking that's really not moving us forward as an entire Christian community. It's that reason why, you know, I'm the only person in this entire city that God could use to do this. He should have been able to use somebody from this city. He should have had plenty of people to pick from. But each and every single last one of these people have bowed down to Satan. And they hate me for talking about, yes, you are bowing down to Satan's altar. I saw you. I saw you, but you preach God all day. I can't even go to your church. I can't even go to your church because I step foot in your church and I got God's presence descending above me and each and every single last one of y'all is attacking me. Why? Why? Why am I being attacked? Because y'all are liars. Y'all are liars. And God told me y'all are going to hell. And if I don't straighten up and do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to hell too. If I don't do what I'm, like, I can't let go and let God. Because I let go and I'm going to hell. For real. I have to do this and I have to be intentional every single day. God has made this very clear. Now, I don't know everybody. But I do know. It feel like I've been fighting everybody. Excuse me. And Satan is using everybody. It is not funny. And then there's people who are with God, you know, who God has revealed to me are truly of him and for him on fire for the Lord. These individuals, they're there. They are there. But they're not there where he's taking me, where God is placing me. They do not. They are not there. And I love that they are still here. I tr- I do my best not to sever or burn bridges. But the, the the thing is, God is did this. He's done it like this for a reason. I can really only depend on Him in this season because I get to a certain level in this fight, and everybody's just gone. Nobody's there. It's just me, God, and the devil that I am battling. Right there, and I'm just like, where's everybody at? Why ain't nobody here helping? And God is like, yeah. You are, you real high up right now. You you too high up. And you're going to have to beat that devil right there. You're going to have to fight him off you, but I got you. As long as you are obedient, as long as you do what I'm telling you to do, as long as you, you know... Be who I know you can be and don't and don't doubt me. Trust me. Believe me. Have faith in me. Complete this. You got this. So my realization lately is I absolutely have to get back up. I really don't have a choice. If I go any other direction. I'm going I'm walking towards Satan. That's exactly what he wants. 
I can't even settle because this is not the, the calling on my life is so so much bigger and so much greater. So maybe a rapture soon. Okay, so after that, obviously I felt like, you know, I got to get up now. I should get up now. I should do it now. I should take it serious now. Why am I still on this podcast? Why am I still sitting? Why am I still planning to not get up? I should. My plan should be about getting up, doing it now, not, you know, taking it serious, like, this should be the motivation that I need to get up. And I and I even feel and I hear the, you know, support from the individuals that know it's necessary. And they're supporting me getting up and doing it. You know? I guess maybe I didn't see them before. You know? Not that I'm supposed to. Because as I said... When I get to a certain point, you know, I only want to say they're not there. They are still there. But when it gets to a certain extent, they cannot help me. They cannot help me. And I know that that's necessary because God wants just, you know, he wants me to obey just him, to keep my eyes focused on only him. And to listen to only him. He wants me to depend on only him. And it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And only I can do this. Only I can do this. And I am a lot of times so heartbroken because... All these, all these people around me that are not for me, they do not care about me. They don't care if I die in the process of this. I heard them talking about my suicide again today. Like, she's going to kill herself. She's going to kill herself. I hear them telling me daily, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill yourself. And... I don't believe them. Of course I don't believe them. They told me I was going to die. 2020, they was like, you're going to die. You're going to die. Like, we're going to sacrifice you. We're going to kill you. You're going to die. And they said it was going to happen that month, that week, that day, that hour, that second. You know? And I made it through. I made it through. At the end of that year... God used me as a vessel to deliver my sister. He And I saw that same Satan that was telling me I had no power and that I was going to die and that I was weak and that I don't, you know, I don't have God. Where is God? God's not on my side. God's not protecting me. God's not helping me. God's not going to bring me out of this. That same Satan I saw get burned to the ground by the Holy Spirit, by a holy light. You know, and he didn't admit to me that he wanted nothing more in the world but to see me get down on my knees in front of him and bow down to him. Until, of course, I did. Except for it wasn't for him. I had to get down on my knees and I had to bow in front of him 
but it was not for him. It was for God behind him. And I've talked about this before, but it's just like, I feel like it's something I'm trying to get to. It's a piece or a portion of this story, this, you know, explaining this that I'm trying to get out. It's in my heart and I can't find the words for it. So excuse me if, I'm repeating this. I'm re- I'm repetitive about a few things, but I feel that each and every single time I talk about it, I get to a new point. I get a little bit more out. And since Satan is attacking his story so bad, then I'm just going to have to repeat it as many times as needed in order for me to get that piece or that portion out until I feel all of it has been explained in the manner that it needs to be. The thing is, you know, that's the same Satan said to me, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. We're going to kill you. Everybody's against you. This is all that's happening to you. Nobody's for you. Where is God? God is not real. God will not save you. Who are you praying to? Jesus is not real. Jesus is nowhere around you. Nobody has your back. Nobody loves you. Nobody's going to help you. Nobody wants you. All of this I had to deal with as they tried to kill me, intentionally tried to kill me. Like It's not just words. Yes, words hurt, but nah, they were really trying and still are trying to kill me every single day. Why didn't just run? Why are you here? Why did you stay? That was a mistake. You should have just run. And do you think God wants you? Do you think God will save you? Do you think that God would do, you know, why would God save you? Why would he help you? You are this, you are that. They tried to tell me who I am. They tried to change who I am. Every time I prayed, they said it was pointless. It was worthless. It meant nothing, and it did nothing. I picked up my Bible, and they said, nobody believes that. Why are you reading the Bible? It doesn't matter. That's not true. That's not real. It's not helping you. It's not doing anything for you. As they sat there and antagonized me, I kept reading my Bible and I kept fighting. But all I know is, you know, they started to get angry. They started to get very angry. And I said, who gets angry about the word of God, especially when you feel like it it just don't matter. It's not real and it don't. Is not affecting you. So why are you getting angry? And I realized it's working. But I knew it was working the whole time. The whole time. As I read the Bible, it's like, oh, it's not real. Stop reading that. And it just progressively got more angry and worse. And I said, come out, demon. Because I I see that that's not them. I know that this is a demon. I know that you are a demon. My God is real. This is working. But even I started questioning my heart. I said, why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? And God said, it is working. Keep reading. And... This is what I'm still dealing with. Today, earlier today and every day, I still see Leviathan staring me dead in my face. I just see a big serpent eyeball 
staring me dead in my face. And I'm like, that's an eye, right? God is like, yes, Leviathan, that's Leviathan. Keep fighting, keep going, don't give up. You can't give up. I have your back, I love you, I'm here. Keep fighting. And all they do is laugh at me. They laugh at me, they tease me, they hate me. Everything that they do and every everything in their powers to stop me. You know, I can't get up and I know that's because of them. And they just do everything in their power to discourage me and lead me off the path of God. Excuse me. But there's a few things that should that's a big indication of the truth. When they are still here, they will not leave. And I know that once, if they've truly conquered me, they will have left. They'll never leave because God will never allow them to conquer me. Two, they keep making offers. I read something earlier about how the enemy, he bribes, he extorts, he coerces, he tortures, he... You know, he's constantly trying to pull you away from God using any and everything he possibly can. But none of it means anything. It's all the same. So I talked about just the different amounts of money that they offered and kept offering and kept saying that was of the kingdom of Satan and actually mattered. And it's conflicting because it's like it feels like it's true. Like, they said that this phone had something to do with the kingdom of Satan. The day after the deliverance, this phone was sent to me. My mother claimed she ordered it, but the voices said differently. But it doesn't matter, though, because I believe in my God more than any product or money or Whatever it is that they feel like they have given me or that I sit upon, they feel like it's of the kingdom of Satan. Because God, you know, they keep telling me that I have to leave everything behind. Just go, run. Don't take nothing with me. But the thing is, God sent me here. Why would he ever send me here to run? If he wanted me to run, he'd say run. God said, come here and revise the people. That's what he said to do. That was a clear assignment. The only, the clearest assignment I've ever got from God my entire life. The only clear assignment I've ever got from God my entire life. And you expect me to run. You know, every single time I contemplate running, I have to truly remember this assignment. Every single time I contemplate giving up, I have to remember that God has given me an assignment. Every single time. Excuse me. I feel like I'm beat or maybe beat or am going to die. I have to remember this assignment and God. Every time I want to respond, every time I feel it's unfair, every time I feel it's hopeless and I'm, you know, I'm losing ground, don't have a chance. I always have to contemplate. I have to remember the assignment 
and they tell me to run away from my family but my family is also what I'm fighting for I pray so many prayers for my family over the years I know that God has granted me that too he reminded me earlier he said because I stopped I stopped including my family in my prayers as much. I didn't stop complete, including them completely, but I stopped including them as much. I'm not thinking about them as much. I used to pray for them every single time I prayed for myself, even more to myself. I stopped including them as much. Excuse me. The reason why is because... Every time I pray for my family, they attack me harder. Every time I pray for my family, Satan hurts me more. He tortures me more. It feels like he tortures them more. They attack me more. They, like, I pray for my family and then I start hearing them cussing me out. I pray for my family, then it feel like, you know, they just, they doing some more betrayal. They hurting me more. They stabbing my heart more. And it's just starting, it's, start, it's starting to wear down on me. It's wearing down on my heart because my heart is not hardened anymore. I feel everything and I'm supposed to. That's what it's like when your heart is no longer hardened. But in order for you to become numb to the stuff that you're dealing with, that's when you harden your heart. I can't be numb. I have to feel everything. So I'm crying all day. And I'm crying out to God. And they're they're not stop on me all day. I cannot exist without being tortured. I, not even in my dreams. They follow me into my dreams and they torture me more. So I know that it's working. God is working. Because if it were not so, you know, then why would they be fighting me so hard? But as I said, I stopped praying for my family as much. And God reminded me earlier today. I kept asking him, I said, God, this future that I was shown with you in it. Of me running away from my family and my family not being with me anymore because of all of the betrayal and all of the backstabbing and all of the, you know, just pain and hurt they've caused me, God. Is that you? It says that it's set in stone. I don't believe it all the way. And I don't think I ever believed it all the way. No matter how real it felt, it felt so real. And God's presence felt so real. I couldn't believe that. It's the first time I ever felt something like that in my life. And it really played with my heart. It toyed with my heart and my mind and my emotions in a weird way. But it, it didn't it didn't actually hold any ground with me because it's so many different points about it. It's so many different details about it that just do not add up.
like for one it's like this is set in stone no one can change this no matter what they do no one can change this no matter what they do and I am like they don't sound like God and the thing is like why doesn't it what God gives no man can take You know, what God does, no man can undo. Only God can truly set something in stone that nothing or no one can do to change ever. So why doesn't it feel or seem like God? Well, because for years I've always prayed to God for my family. I love my family. And I know my family loves me. And I don't feel like I've ever had a prayer without praying for them. But I know I have. But that's how much I pray for my family. I love them so much. And if God's going to truly give me my heart's desires, my family got to be there. And we all going to be happy. That's my heart's desires. It just don't make sense for my family not to be there. It don't make sense. And... You know, I just, I couldn't believe that part. I'm like, that don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. It's like, my family, you know, it's nothing that they could ever do to me, ever. That would ever make me feel that way. That I would never, ever deal with them ever again. It's nothing they could ever do. And that's immediately what I thought. After the feeling, the feeling was what they did was unforgivable. I could never go back around them. I love them and I forgive them. But what they did, I can never, I can never deal with ever again. I can never deal with them or be around them ever again. Like I'm done with them forever. And I had to. I did everything I could for them. And I just couldn't think of anything ever in life. That I would, that would ever make me feel that way. And it just didn't feel right. I said, nothing can ever make me feel that way. I'm like, I start trying to think of whatever I could that could ever happen to me that ever make me feel like, you know, that that is true. Or that that could ever be true. And... All I know is I just couldn't think of nothing. I couldn't come up with anything. And I tried so hard. But in the vision, it felt like it was nothing short of murder. But I'm still there. So it's amazing how it's like set in stone. Then I heard a family member say, nah, that's not going how they think that's going. And... It didn't sound like jealousy. It sounded like, you know, determination. And I, I contemplated this because I said, when I look back, I say, why, what do it sound like? And why, why would you think somebody would sound like that? I said, growing up, the person that it, I think it was, what it sounded like is that, you know, 
they they are around individuals or they are may have seemed like they are on a board with a with a mission or a plan that's set up on me to do something to me that they you know at you know no matter what they look like they was doing no matter what they look like they would agree with no matter what they look like they was gonna do or on board with or a part of they was like nope now that I can't do now that that ain't happening I don't care what you thought I was I don't care who you thought I was I don't care what you threatened me with I got other plans so move forward what you think you're doing but I'm doing something else and you might not know about it but you ain't doing what you think you gonna do and my family has been like that (laughs) I'm not gonna lie growing up that's kind of how my brothers and sisters kind of was. Like, we might not support you to your face. We might not even, you know, want you to have something or seem like we want you to have it. But, or we might not even like you. We might even hate you. But when it come down to it, ain't nobody going to mess with you. They not about to, they not about to hurt you. We not going to let them, like, we might even hurt you a lot. But we're not going to ever let it go to a certain extent. Like, that's too far. That's way too far. And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, it feel like that. But I was still so mad. I still so mad because I was like, but y'all in on it? Y'all actually was with them going along with this though what was y'all doing why would y'all ever plot on me y'all really hate me that much like you have to understand it from a sibling or a family perspective where you're like i love my family but you you know you know that they love you and you know that it gets messed up sometimes y'all do stuff to each other that's hurtful and really scarring whatever but you always got each other back when it comes down to it. Like really got each other's back. Even though even when y'all go sometimes way too far. But I was so hurt because I'm just like, you get so mad because you just like, I can't believe you went this far. Because you like, I know you got my back. But you realize they got your back. It's like, I don't know, it's one of those times when you realize they got your back. After they've already taken it way too far. And it's like, I see it. I see you got my back. But I feel like you should never even done this to begin with. I feel like you should never had nothing to do with it. And it shows how much you really hate me on the low. Or how much you would really want to bring harm to me. But how much you wouldn't want to bring harm to me though. It shows both. It shows where you would, you know... It shows where you would draw the line. Which is surprising to me that in your heart that you would even go that far. For me, I wouldn't. But still, I believed in you and I was right. You you go, I'm surprised how far you go. But you have, you do have. You do have limits. 
you have limits. So, looking back on it, I realized that, you know, God wanted me to see that. God wanted me to know that about them. He wanted me to know that we family, we always going to be family. And though we may do things very, very hurtful and very, like, unforgettable sometimes, sometimes seeming un- seemingly unforgivable, we may go cross very, we may cross boundaries and go very far and, and cross lines that, you know, it seems like we should never cross with each other. But we still love each other. We still love each other. No matter how hard it is to admit, God got a way of pulling that out of you. You may not say it, but you're going to have to show it. When it comes down to it, God is an almighty God. He is intentional. And he's like, listen, I'm real. I'm hearing you knew that. So you do all that, but you just know, you know, this is going to be a real test of character for everybody. Not just one person, not just two, not just who you want to be tested. Not even if it's just you, everybody is about to get tested. Everybody's character is about to be tested on such a level that you're going to know it was me. And only God can do that. But only family, I'm telling you, can pull that out of you. Only family can, you know, really go to such limits sometimes. God made it clear to me. I asked him many, many, many times. I said, God, God, what am I supposed to do? I can't live like this. I can't deal with them when they're like this. I want to grow in you. I want to be better. I want to love you. I want us all to be with you. I want us all to be okay. I want us all to praise and worship you. I want us away from Satan, God. But they don't want me to do this. They're fighting me. They're keeping me from you, God. I cannot stay around people who are keeping me from you, God. You told me to choose you over any and everybody. Be willing to choose you over even my family. And that was so hard for me for years. But I made my choice. And it's you. So what do I do, God? I cannot stay here. They don't choose you or they just don't want me to choose you. I don't know. But God said, if you leave your family, if you abandon them, and you stay away from them for years, no matter how long or what happened, doesn't matter what happened, I don't care what happened, you will never get that time back. And you will wish that you hadn't done that. And I said, God, you are always right. When when I was 15, something so traumatic happened to me. And God said, one day you're going to look back on this. And you are going to wish that, excuse me, you are going to be thankful that this happened to you. After that happened to me, I swore that I was changed forever. While I wasn't, I, I was talking to God. And he was like, no, it's not that. I mean, yeah, but you're, you're okay. But 
I just knew I would never be thankful for that situation. I would never be thankful for what happened to me. I was so sure. I I could never be thankful for this. However, God said to me one day, you're going to be so thankful this happened to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have contributed to who you are. And I was I couldn't I couldn't believe it. And years later, the exact emotion God said I was gonna have thankfulness, gratitude for exactly what happened to me. So thankful that it happened to me. And just thankful because the lesson I learned in it contributing to who I am. I said, if this had never happened, I would never be who I am. I would never know what I knew, what I know now. And God said that exact thing. He said, Cause you're gonna say. If this had never happened, I would not be who I am today. I said that exact thing to God. And I was I was immediately reminded of that day he told me that. And I was like, wow. You're always right. After that, I told myself to stop doubting him. When he say something, believe him the first time. And don't be so adamant about what you think you know. And he said that. He said it last year. And I feel just like how I felt that day when I was 15. Like, God, I don't know. I don't know. Because after what they are doing and they have done to me, God. Like, I'm, I don't know. I think I could leave them alone forever. And that would not be enough time. I don't know if I would ever regret that. Ever wish that I had done things differently. But but I know you, God. And I love you, God. And you're always right. So you're right about this, too. And ever since then, you know, that vision of that future without them. It's just like, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not, you know, even though it feels more and more tempting every day. Every day that goes by with this situation lingering on how it is. And me, you know, having to feel the pain and the, you know, realization of what's happening, what's going on in my life. My life has changed forever now. It's changed forever it's like I look around, all these people with their eyes on me, you know, my mind accessible to all these people, you know, having no personal space or freedom, having a fight every day I feel for my life, and the the constant reminder of the people I love the most in life that I pray for the most in life, being the ones responsible. And though they had their limits and couldn't take it, you know, they wound up fighting for me in certain areas and even helping me, you know, when I when it looked like really bleak for me, like I had no help and like I should have died or I would have died and maybe I would have died without them. I mean, I would have died without God, period. When it came down to it, it felt like it was just me and God, for real, for real. But, you know, regardless of them putting me in this position and doing what they did, you know, I still... Don't agree with a future without them. Because growing up, every time I prayed for a better future, it was with them, with them in it, including them. 
you know, I can't force them into my future, but it don't feel like anything is forced. You know, they there no matter what, you know, they're family. And I'm sure people think, you know, no, that's not true. You can leave your family. You can get away from your family. You are not tied to your family. You are not stuck with them. But, you know, God, God believes he doesn't believe you're stuck with them or you're tied to them. But he says that if you leave them, you're going to regret it for any reason in the world. He said it doesn't matter what it is. Years later down the line, you're not going to be able to get that time back. And you're going to wish you hadn't done that. And I've talked to old people. I've heard the stories about friends, family members that they cut off for years. And they wish that they hadn't done that no matter what it is that they did. And they probably did something really horrible, which sounds so dumb now. As a reason to cut them off. And this doesn't even really sound that dumb. Honestly, this sounds like something. You probably should cut somebody off forever for trying to kill you. Really? You know, that sounds like a reason to get away from somebody forever. And you would think that God would be wrong, but God's never wrong. Even them trying to kill you is not a reason. I can't. Listen. Like I said, even after the first time God told me what he said, said what he said, and it sounded so outrageous, and I didn't want to believe him. Even after the first time, I was like, I'd never doubt you again. After that exact feeling, emotion was exactly what he said was going to be years later. I said, I'd never doubt you again. But, you know... After what's happened, it's like, it, it feel like, but God is, he is the only wise God. He knows everything. He's right. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I see. He's going to be right. And if I don't take heed, years down the line, I would not be able to get that time back. And it's whatever it is that they done, I'm going to think to myself, it's nothing in the world that, you know, I feel is a real reason to never talk to family or friends or people that you love again. Even though you start wondering, like, why do I really love them? Like, for real, for real, don't I just have to love them just because they family? I didn't pick them. I didn't choose them. And obviously, they didn't pick or choose me either, and that's why they did what they did. But... You know, still, still. So earlier today, I even heard these family members bragging, like reminding me. They said to me, you know, and when you were in the hospital, this is from the first traumatizing incident in my life. That broke my heart. It was like, and when you were in the hospital, I'm I was there. I was responsible for it. You know, I was the one that made you call and cry on the phone. I'm in the hospital. <laughs> and I did that. And God told me this. <laughs> he told me this in 2020, all that they did in my whole life. 
He told me that they've been doing me like this. Obviously, I knew that I put it together. I mean, I didn't know it. God showed me, but I put it together despite everything they did in their power to keep me from really finding out the truth. The truth was exposed, and I put it together that it was actually true. I know that. I see that. And, you know, for whatever reason that they did it for, you know, I don't think they ever really had a real reason besides, you know, just self-hate and jealousy, you know, and hatred. But how could you brag about ruining somebody you you claim you love's life? And when you have family like this, isn't it best for you to distance yourself from them and give them a chance to love you? Because they're not showing that they love you. Why would God ever want you to stay around somebody so toxic and so, you know, life-threatening? But God is wise. He knows everything. So, you can't, it don't matter what you hide from people, no matter what you do behind closed doors, God sees everything. Everything done in secret. Even if the secret you thought you was going to take to your grave with you, God knows already. Everything done in the dark comes to light. And God made me admit everything wrong I ever done to everybody my whole life. He made me scream it out while everybody watched. And it was torture. And these are secrets I thought I'd die with. But after hearing all my secrets, they were like, you're too good. That's the worst stuff you've ever done? She's way too good. She got to go. But the thing is, I thought that the stuff I had done was the worst stuff in the world. Secrets I thought I was really going to take to my grave. I don't even remember them now. Because I've let them go, but I was holding them in for years. So I couldn't forget them every single day. I felt I was living with guilt. Like, I'm freed of it now. But <sighs> why would God allow me to stay around individuals like this? Why would he want me here? And especially with people who don't want to admit that they're wrong. They, they secrets been exposed. My secrets been exposed. I can't deny it. It's in front of the world. Everybody know. Hey, look. This is who I am. This is what I've done. And, you know, whatever. You know? But they get to still hide. They get to still hide. You know? Everybody's looking at me like, we all hate you. You know? Still trying to kill me every day. But them, they just get to la 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 la. Just live their life, you know, debt free. Debt free. And I'm the real debt free because I've given my life to God and He's paid for all my sins. I'm really the, the one that's really debt free for real. But. How could he expect me to 
stay in a situation like this where they still won't quit. You already did everything that you've done to me and now I'm still wrong. I'm still the one who's you are attacking. I'm still the one who you want to hurt. I'm still the one that you're trying to kill and you did everything to me. You know, this is when I feel like Joseph. Joseph was like, they always hated me my whole life. And yes, I was shown I was shown favoritism. I was chosen as a favorite, but I was sold into slavery. And I was, you know, I went through all of this stuff and I was innocent the entire time. At the hands of people who claim to love me, I was betrayed at the highest level. My life has been this hard. But yet still, I'm wrong. I even feel like God feel like I'm wrong. And God is like, this is to humble you. Because you have been treated with, you have been shown favoritism. Your life has been so easy compared to others. You know? You may not realize it, but you need to be humble. You need, you need humility. You need it. I agree. I would have never agreed before this whole time, like, you know, I was humble. I am humble. I would never have done that to them. You know, I didn't never feel like I was better than them. You know, I never was putting myself above anybody. And I was humble, but I wasn't. I wasn't humble. So I see that God does this a lot of times. You may not have, you might be innocent and they may be super wrong. And he probably not going to do nothing to them for what they did. They just did what they did and you got to suffer. But it's a humbling experience for you. But in Genesis 50, 20, it says what what you guys meant for bad, God turned around for good to save many lives around me. So I see all these people around me. I I see my assignment says revise the people. I see the position I'm placed in, you know. And I see that this is to de- this is to save and deliver a lot of different individuals from torture, wicked rule, and a just a very bad situation. So I have to suffer for them, all the suffering that they've gone through. But also it's humbling to me. It's humbling. It's going to teach me. Humility. It has. It is teaching me. It has been teaching me humility, and I have to do it. And I know it. I know that God has shown me that I've been spoiled by Him, so to say, for lack of a better term. But I've been spoiled by Him, and so I know that this is His way of breaking that cycle breaking that you know breaking it breaking the spoiledness of always getting my way and things being so easy for me you know they've never been easy for me really I've gone through so much and honestly I feel that I've always been a humble person because of it but it's like at the same time, I'm just very spoiled in a way where it's like a lot of the stuff that is plaguing people's lives and it's affecting them so differently. It's causing them to do 
way more harmful things and suffer way more. They're suffering way more because of the things that I've dealt with and I'm not suffering as much because of. And that is because I'm being kept by God. Because and, and, and it's hurtful for other people to see me thrive. It's hurtful for other people to see me be afforded things that they weren't afforded. You know, and to not appreciate it as much as they would appreciate something like that or may have wanted to have their entire life. So I know that this is a humbling experience, experience also because of that. I noticed that even today, like it felt like even God is in, in agreement with them in a way where he's like, you know, it feels so unfair for them and you're going to you're going to sit through it until they get it all off their chest cuz I, I i like i kind of got to the point where i'm like it's almost impossible for me to get out of this until they want me to get out of it almost impossible and it's like it's not even you know i don't want to say that it's not i can't do it but it's like it don't feel like i really can or that god really wants me to for real but like I said to myself, I, I don't ever want to sound like I'm giving up, you know. I would still keep fighting. But it's like, it's, it feels like God is saying, you know, you got to let them get it all out then. You got to let them get it all off their chest. And then when they got it all off their chest, you can do what it is that, I mean, you can try it, you can pull through, you can move forward, and you're still going to have to build a life. You're still going to have to move forward. You got to forgive them. You know, if you do anything to them as far as revenge or anything, it's going to show me that I have taught you nothing. That you didn't learn it. You didn't learn anything from me, and you were lying. You weren't truly accepting me the way you should be, but that would never happen because when when God transforms you, he transforms you. So as far as with Joseph, he never did get his revenge. They lived they 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 went on to be able to live the rest of their lives with their father. He missed all those years with his father who he loved so much and his younger brother, you know, who shared the same mother as him and it was the only brother that shared the same mother as him. He missed all those years with that brother. And his brothers that he still loved and he suffered as a slave and he was even thrown into prison for something he didn't do even after he was obedient to God and thankful and grateful to God every single day, faithful and loyal. And God made a man out of Joseph. When he finally came out, he was given a position of power. He was given a, a very high position and he was given a wife. Two beautiful children, and he said, and he named his children after. Excuse me, the name of, I forget the name, but it meant. You know. Because God has made me forget all of my affliction. So, maybe that's my future. Even though they they promised me I don't have one, they promised me they're gonna kill me. They promised me. I'm not going to survive this. I know that I'm going to survive this. I know that I'm not going to die in this situation. God is not going to let me die. Because if he did, if he was, he would have let me die already. You know, I've asked for it, for sure. I've asked to die. But I know that he's not going to let me die. 
But as I said, I, I kind of came to the conclusion, like, maybe they really just have to get all of this off their chest. They really just have to get it all out, even though they swear they never will, you know. People people get older, they get over things, they grow up, you know. They learn from hatred and anger and misplaced, like, all of those things only really torturing yourself. You suffer way more with the things that you do. With the guilt and the unforgiveness and the seeking revenge. All that stuff. You really torture yourself more than you ever could hurt, hurt or torture somebody else. Hatred for somebody else is really only hatred for yourself. You know? So. I see that in this situation. I see that he wanted them to learn also from me. Because we've been through a lot of the same experiences, except for I just process it a little differently. I love and I trust God, and I seek him wholeheartedly, you know? I believe in him, even though, obviously, I have to be brought to a new level of understanding where I I see that I haven't truly accepted Jesus into my heart, you know? But, you know... I have now, and this is something that God wanted everybody to be here for. So, you know, it's everything happens for a reason. Though, I'm the focal point in this bad attention. Still, I don't know. Still, people, the individuals around me, they still feel like it's unfair. Like, what which have you not done to me at this point? What do you want more? And they still feel like it's unfair. So it just goes to show that I'm still so blessed by God that, you know, even after being able to do and have as much power as they wanted to exert over me and make me suffer, they still are jealous of me. They still, I wouldn't say jealous, but it still hurts them to see me thriving. They want me to suffer more, so I know that I'm still blessed by God, regardless of how they see it or what they feel like is going on. But I know that my situation is not directly, specifically perfectly like Joseph it's not like identical to Joseph's story and it's also not identical to Job's story but it's very similar but that being said you know I don't know I feel like it can't last forever how am I supposed to live like this forever but if they intend for this to last forever, then I'm just depending on God and God's plan to, you know, bring me out. On the other end, you know, I see that God is like, you know, it's the scripture, sit at my, sit at thine right hand whilst I make your enemies your footstool. So they intended to kill me. They intended to embarrass me. They intended to you know, ruin my entire life forever. But I believe that God is going to turn this around for my good. 
He is turning this around for my good. He is transforming me. Like, he is bringing me closer to me, revealing my purpose and my destiny in him. He's unleashing a power and unlocking a power in me that I never knew I had. And different things inside of me is being healed. I'm being taught a new way of life, a new way of dealing with things. I'm growing in a way I never imagined. So I wanted this to happen, and I didn't know how it possibly could have. I couldn't imagine it happening the way that it is happening. But it is happening, you know. And I have to learn patience. I have to learn, you know, endurance. I have to learn humility. I have to learn gratitude. I have to learn obedience. I have to learn discipline. I have to learn, you know, all this stuff. And I'm going to be blessed with some things I never thought I could have had. And I never would have ever been able to even handle or afford to have without the attitude and the, you know, transformation that he's, you know, bringing about in me. I see I'm an example in many ways, good and bad. But, you know... Is great because I get to be everything I ever asked him to be. Even though I'm suffering a lot, you know. Never without suffering. It's all worth it, though. In the end. And, yes, there's going to be tears. I'm going to have to cry. I'm going to have to feel really bad about everything and deal with, you know, what I'm dealing with. I'm going to have to let go of my pride. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to maybe even serve enemies. Or, or people who've made themselves my enemies. But it's all worth it in the end, you know. Like, I've been asking God, like, why, God? Like, God has me on my knees, you know, begging him for hours for somebody else who still will go right back to doing everything that they're doing. And it feels like God is doing nothing about it. And I'm like, why, God? Why are you treating me like I did everything? And they're not doing anything wrong. And they're not wrong. Like It's like you hate me too. I don't get it. But it's like God loves me and I know he loves me. So, you know, it's clear what he's doing. Like I'm chosen. And he loved Jesus so much, but... He allowed Jesus to come here and die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He, I know God hated to see every second of that. He was so angry with the world. But he loved Jesus so much. And, of course, Jesus said, why, God, have you forsaken me? So it felt like God hated him or abandoned him. Not hated him, but abandoned him. That's what it feels like here. Like, God, why, you know... They're laughing at me, you know. They are isolating me. They're torturing me. I'm suffering. I'm a human. Like, they, they're they trying to kill me, God. Why are you leaving me in this situation? I'm reading and listening to Psalms, and I'm just like, Psalms is just constantly repeating how I feel. Like, I'm surrounded, and they want to kill me, God. Why are you abandoning me? Why does it feel like you're leaving me behind? Why doesn't it feel like you love me? Why? Where are you? Help me. Come soon. I need you. And it's like every single day it feels like it's falling on deaf ears. But 
I see what I can do. I see what I need to do. And I just, maybe, I, I just, I know I still have ways to go. I'm still tempted to say and do some of the things that I was still doing from the beginning. So, obviously, that has to go. Like, I'm still tempted to say they're jealous of me. I'm still tempted to say it's the things that they lack that make them, you know, so hateful towards me. And it doesn't matter. This is how Joseph, I, this is why I rec this is how I really, like, you know, resonate with Joseph. Because he was like, it's not my fault I was a favorite. It's not my fault. My Our father loved, us, loved me more than all of y'all. And now, look, I'm sitting here suffering. And, you know, the whole time God was like, that's the very attitude you're going through this for. You got, you got to get rid of that attitude. I want to see you as, you know, a humble individual. Never saying stuff like that ever again. Understanding who I am. Understanding why you had to go through all of this. Understanding what it's truly like to be, you know, to have a spirit of humility. And I see, like, I can never say stuff like this ever again. Like, it's me. It's not you. And it's not my fault. It's not my fault you can't have my, my position. It's not my fault you can't have my spot. It's not my fault you can't be me. Because <laughs> I really don't have a choice at this point. You know, they get to say what they want to say and do what they want to do to me. As long as I'm in this position and until I, you know, learn to be this person that God has shown me to be all day, every day for the rest of, you know, my life, eternity, become the person that the individual that he's requiring me to be. They're going to be in a position to do that. Like they literally have control of my body. I have to fight them every day, all day. You know, I have to stay in God's presence. And the only way I can do it is to not say a word, say a thing, or react to anything. I have to just let them say and do whatever they please. And I have to just endure. You know, nobody has to deal with that. But... You know, it's necessary. It is what it is, you know. People are going to be who they are. But when God calls you to a different position and he, he gives you a different, you know, assignment on your life, you have to be who he told you to be. You have to be who he's called you to be. And I'm just going to end this with what Will McDowell said. He said... My life does not belong to me. I realize that my life belongs to God. I don't, this is not my life. This is God's life. So, I just have to be led. I'm blessed though. It's a lot of perks and benefits that comes with this life, like fulfillment and peace and love and, you know, being, being allowed in God's presence. It's a lot of wonderful perks and benefits. But as I said, this vision without my family 
why this how is it so set in stone how does it feel like that's possible when god said absolutely do not do that i'm seeing that you know it's going to take intentional fighting by from me and by me for my family every single day despite what it feels like and what they do